Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, what's the matter, Vulch? Can't think of an indignant rejoinder? At least give me a bah. Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Bah. That, that's my general feel, I guess. Well, maybe like, bah. I, I uh, was at a soccer game in which my eldest daughter scored a really gorgeous goal to send her team into the upper division. Wow, it was exciting. So still uh, pumped about that. What about you, James B.? Well, it doesn't sound like a bah moment. Bah. <laughs> no, that would that's be like I changed a... it. Oh, okay. Bah. I made... Uh... What do you think I made today? I usually make something every brownies. time. Brownies. I would have thought brownies too, but no, I made brownies. This is not. This is going to be a tougher guess, so I don't think we have time for your guesses today. I'm sorry. Well, chocolate pudding. Oh, I just that's made... in the same vein of brownies. I could have guessed. I oh, just it just said chocolate. It's a completely different item. <laughs> it's not even close. No. Chocolate. It's so different. <laughs> <sighs> something that's not different is uh, us uh, <laughs> with our nonsense banter at the beginning of these books. And the first book is from May of 1983. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 240 Wings of Vengeance by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr., and Bob Lee. Not so different indeed, because in an Arizona retirement home, the unassuming Adrian Toomes picks up a copy of The Bugle while musing about how much there is to steal in the Southwest. That's right, The Vulture is who we're talking about again. But when he reads about Bestman Electronics being back in business, he angrily books a flight to New York City for the next day. There's a great line here from the Vulture. He's looking at the newspaper and he goes, Hmm, too bad about Spider-Man. Too bad he hasn't gotten killed yet. I I like that almost as I liked the illustration of Mr. Toomes' doormat. Uh, it says, go away! <laughs> it's a great detail, John Romita Jr. Thank you. Uh, well, in New York City, Peter Parker has nightmares of villains that relentlessly try to kill him over and over again. Amy Powell attempts to pay a visit, but Peter decides to swing out of Manhattan for a little fresh air. He departs almost simultaneously as the Vulture arrives flat, fresh off his flight from Arizona. Vulture wastes no time flying straight to the Electronics Expo at the Coliseum, where he chains the doors shut, taking all inside hostage. Peter, who's in Forest Hills visiting Aunt May and watching TV with Nathan Lubinsky, uh, sees the news bulletin and immediately departs to meet his old nemesis. Eddie, when Spider-Man has to leave to go after the Vulture, I really like the fact that he explains why he has to go through the Vulture. The explanation by Roger Stern is really good, and the artwork by Leighton and Ramita Jr. is great. Do you remember what he says? Something about he like, like has an obligation because people might get hurt. Yep. This is why he's having a nightmare. Exactly. Right? I always think, like, uh, well, why do you have to worry about this one? But, yeah, he feels obligated. And I just like being reminded of why he has to do what he does because he doesn't get paid for it. And these guys aren't coming after him, so can't he take time to be sure. Peter Parker? But he feels very obligated that it's it's his job. So, Well, when Spidey arrives at the Coliseum, he convinces Lieutenant Keating begrudgingly that Spider-Man should go in alone to fight the Vulture. Inside, Vulture is harassing his old business partner, Bessman, when Spidey tackles him. The Vulture activates an electronic gizmo, 
which is a very large thing shooting electricity around the room, uh, that Spidey is eventually electrocuted by. Groggily, Spidey grabs at his foe, but is unable to stop Vulture from flying off with Bestman. We end with Spider-Man falling unconscious 25 feet to the ground and laying motionless. I gotta tell you, Vulture is a smart villain. He has not lost his spot since he became my favorite villain. But we'll, wow. yeah, but we'll see how this Hobgoblin does over the next few issues. Although there's a lot of filler books in between the Hobgoblin issues, so uh, that will hurt him. Why don't you jump in and do the next? Because these first two books we're doing today kind of go hand in hand. From June 1983, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 241 in the beginning. Written by Roger Stern, art by John Romita Jr. and Frank Giacoya. Spidey wakes from unconsciousness on the floor of the Coliseum as Lieutenant Keating breaks down the doors. Keating berates Spidey uh, as he wakes, raising our webbed hero's ire. Spidey grabs Keating by the collar, puts him in his place, and takes his radio to listen for when the police spot the vulture next. James B., I ignore the fact that MJ is back. How could I? Do tell us where we see her. She's just arrived with Mrs. Watson on a plane in New York. I'd like to see Mary Jane and Amy Powell in Amazing Spider-Man while Felicia stays in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. It's definitely an upgrade to the whole Deb Whitman slash Marcy Kane slash April May love triangle, for sure. Agreed. Well, Vulture has a sizable head start in his escape and slips into his Staten Island nest. This is the same silo, by the way, that we saw the Vulture in the very first time we ever saw him in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, oh, did, did this Vulture go back to his hideout? Was he one of those villains that said, hey, I'm going to go back to my hideout? I don't. He continuously returns to this one. It's on stat. I remember it so vividly. Um, yeah, I think he just keeps going back to the same location. Like, that's uh -huh. his default title, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, he avoids detection when he arrives. Unfortunately for the vulture, he cannot hide from the spider sense. Coupled with a tracer uh, that was tagged on him. Okay, hold on, hold on. Explain this to me. So, as... Uh, Spider-Man is falling groggy and nearly unconscious. He managed to slap a tracer onto the vulture's ankle. I accept that, that as he's falling unconscious, he can get it on there. They made a point of showing him grab his foot. Yes, they did. Oh, I'm good. Keep going. All right. Spidey sneaks. No, 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 no. I mean, keep going with how this works, because oh. my problem is Spider-Man is using his spider sense on the tracer. Right. I mean, right. Like, that is... What? He can f he can locate the tracer with his spider sense? I, I Come on. This, I thought this, you know, I don't go into the nuances of these kinds of things for almost precisely this problem, but I thought there was some connection from the tracer to the spider sense at some point. Yeah, how? I, the spider sense is like, hey, someone's behind me. Turn around. Spider sense, right? And the right. tracer is like an electronic thing. Like, oh, they can see me on your... GPS because he, I have a little tracer on me. He does use it to like swing through neighborhoods and kind of feel if anything bad is happening. Although, it, it, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's two different things here. Swinging sure. through neighborhoods, he's like, mm, do I feel anything evil going on? But this tracer 
It implies that you could take the tracer, stick it on a Coke can, throw it in a garbage truck, and Spider-Man can be like, there it is over there in that garbage truck heading north on the freeway. I mean, it's, it's implied that he's following the tracer using his spider sense. And it says it in the book, too. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that clarifies it and not in a good way. You right? can finish this paragraph, and then I'll come back and interrupt you with more complaints about it. Spidey sneaks into Vulture's silo and hears him retelling the story of how Bestman betrayed Adrian Toomes when they were business partners. The backstory ends with Vulture breaking into Bestman's office to take the money he was entitled to and joyfully embracing his new career as a criminal mastermind. All right. He says, I'll need this radio to find the Vulture. I managed to stick a spider tracer to him before I passed out, but I'll need to get closer in proximity to him to pick up the tracer's impulses. So he's implying that the radio will tell him generally where the vulture is. And when he gets close, the tracer's proximity will be how he locates the vulture. Not that the vulture is a bad guy. Don't love that. Don't love that. Not great. No, not you, you've, not, you've not been a fan of Tracers since the Tracer ever existed, though. It's like you're trying to mix like magic and science, like pick a lane. <laughs> I've never liked Tracers from the beginning, but I do like the backstory, how it's being told by the Vulture and like exquisite detail to, of course, his partner who should know the backstory. <laughs> right. But he goes through it like all this detail and then it turns out. Spider-Man and the police have been listening the whole time on the radio. So it's like a confession. Right. The, so the, the Vulture's getting a confession from his old business partner. Agree? I, I don't even know if his old business partner really says, oh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> the Vulture just tells him, I know all these things you did to that's me. That's right. Which, which... Like, the best we can do, I think he says... Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, that's what he says, feeling better, Bestman. Uh, no. But the Vulture's still kind of the villain at this moment in the story. Agree? Yes. Okay, all right. Fin- wrap this one up for us. With a yoink, Spidey jerks Bestman out of the Vulture's grasp, and Spider-Man finds himself face-to-face with the same villain he's fought more than a dozen times before. Vulture will not be denied his vengeance, and throws Bestman out the silo. But Spidey tears a hole in the silo and saves Bestman by webbing up a net. Spider-Man entwines the forest around Vulture and tears his wing pack off, defeating him. Bestman is exposed, as you said, James B., as a crook. And I think this is kind of where Lieutenant Keating figures out that Bestman was a crook when he was listening. And Peter heads home where he bumps into Amy Powell, Lance Bannon looms in the shadows nearby, vowing to stop the budding relationship. Yeah, this Amy Powell plotline is pretty thin. At this point in the books, I don't know why we even have this character around. I I did think it was interesting that by the end of the book, the Vulture seems to be the victim and Bestman seems to be the villain. And they do that Marvel team up all the time. They put like some kind of plot twist, but the Vulture is like the villain. He is a villain. He is like he is a legitimate (laughs) villain, but seems to garner a lot of sympathy from, like, the police, and, like, when Bestman wants them to go after Spider-Man, too, he's like, no. I have one more big thing to say, but you've got a lot to say, it looks like, in your notes. So you can go ahead and start saying some stuff. When 
when Peter Parker was having this uh, nightmare in 240, I was just thinking about how many times have we seen the Vulture Doc Ock and the Kingpin recently. They're all great characters, but I, I was glad that the Vulture this time had a motive other than like stealing gems and making money or like last time he was trying to pr prove he wasn't too old to do things but I, i'm very much ready for like a new character and plot i really don't think we've had very much in between here i mean you could argue the black cat has kind of been filling this void but she's not really a villain like she's peter's love interest um, yeah well, eddie you've so got the, you've got you're literally in the hobgoblin storyline right now it's I, it was last podcast about this. It was 238 and 239. We're just taking a three-book detour before, so they can get drawing the Hobgoblin and bring him back. Uh, well, I would have preferred more Hobgoblin. Everybody would prefer, but they, so. but they sprinkle this in as filler. It's, uh. You know that. These are all just like, hey, let's have a quick, you know, quick thing going on here on the side, and we'll get back to the Hobgoblin soon. But I don't want to have a bunch of, like, thinking and a bunch of games here but i want to say off the top of my head i was very surprised that the vulture backstory had not been revealed i feel like i knew the backstory of all of spider-man's big name time you know big time villains and i was like wow we really never gave the vulture a backstory here it is years later they're like okay here by the way here's the story of the vulture so kind of I mean, Electro's first appearance, you like learn, oh yeah, I was a, you know, right. I worked uh, as a I was a lineman. I was a lineman. I, I, was I was greedy and all I cared about was money and I got zapped. That's right. <laughs> and now I'm a greedy electric, you know, and the Sandman's like, oh, I was out there and Storm came and there was, I was hiding in a thing of sand or whatever, you know. But <laughs> the Vulture just starts off and he's like, ha ha, I'm the Vulture flying around. Right. And you're like, okay. And then he's in prison. He's like, ha ha, I made some wings and escaped. You're like, sure. True. We, but someone, I mean, the vulture is so well developed. I mean, there's another vulture for a while, even, and we still don't know we why did, he's vulturing around. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't know how he was created. We knew how Hydro Man was created. You know, it's true. We found out last last episode or so ago how the Hobgoblin kind of comes to being. You know, the guy finds the costume and all yeah, that nonsense. Yeah. But right. But here true. we go. So interesting. Uh, well, and, that should make this a pretty prominent book, really. I agree. Oh. I agree. Hmm. Anything else about this one before we move on to the uh, last of our three books? I know I mentioned two illustrations in these books. Peter has the serious 80s like haircut going on, and he just looks distinctly different from um, even more recent books. W wouldn't you agree, James B? I do. The way that we went from Ditko to John Romita Sr., it's like John Romita Jr. is just like, I'm going to go even like bigger dad and more, yeah. more close-ups and bigger faces and bigger smiles and... The way that I see MJ, MJ kind of looks like Amy Powell, but like just a big, huge girl with big teeth and yes. big hair and, you know, just change the color and you're good to go. There's, there's so much detail in all of their hair and Peter has so much hair in these books. It's true. Really? He does. Maybe that's how it was. Maybe we're, we're getting to the 80s. Yeah, this is my big are. hair era. Uh, Eddie, we're going to, we have another book to go, but I'm going to throw in a quick sponsor real quick right here. Oh, this is a good place for one. I yeah. agree. Just want to let you know for all your electronics needs, please check out uh, the grand reopening of B&T Electronics. They're offering deals up to 5% off, or is it 50% off? It's the same thing. If you read the book, you'll understand what that means. Stop by quickly because items are flying off the shelves. B&T Electronics, new technology at old-timey prices. www.btelectronics.com Flying off the shelves, huh? Like someone's pushing them off the shelves at someone else? <laughs> on purpose. 
From well. July of 1983, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 242, Confrontations, by Stern, Ramita Jr., and Kevin Zubin? Yes. New illustrator there, James B. Yeah. Uh, Peter's grade isn't posted for his biophysics final, and Dr. Sloan gives him a lecture on his responsibility to his education. Real, real quick, Dr. Sloan, is he the guy that created Swarm? Correct. <laughs> well... <laughs> Created is in question. He did bring a Nazi skeleton to ESU to examine in which there was a, like, mutant bee. Got it. Brain. I'm just saying, lecture responsibility, like, you know, <laughs> kettle, pot, you know what I'm saying? Right. Please continue. Uh, Peter airily walks home only to have Lance Bannon aggressively pull up and pick him up in a sports car. telling Peter they have to settle a personal matter. Lance informs Peter Amy Paul is his lady, but they have an open relationship, and Lance doesn't really like this anymore. Hold on. Did he say Amy Paul is my lady, but we have an open relationship? <laughs> he did not say it in those words. No, he, he does. He does say it in he those does words. Say, he does say he has an open relationship, but it, that he's it, interested in you know, not having it open anymore. There you go. There you go. I just want to make sure, again... Second person to confront Peter in the opening part of this book being <laughs> a little bit of a hypocrite. Well, Peter tries to call Amy and tell her to stop bugging him, but she dominates their conversation and plans a date with him for that very night. Peter tells Lance to meet at his place so they can tell Amy to stop bothering both of them once and for all. So literally this entire summary that you've read so far is like opposite day, you know? An irresponsible guy lectures PR responsibility. A guy says, that's my girl, even though I have an open relationship. <laughs> Peter says, I'm going to call her to put an end to this, but he can say he goes on a date with her. And then he tells Lance to meet him so they can work together to cancel the date. It's just like crazy time. It's, it's like watching an 80s sitcom. Go, Go uh, so this Amy Powell plot line, at least it's picking up here. At this point when I'm reading it, though, I'll be honest, I don't know where this is going or why this is happening. It's not a love interest. I think it has something to do with Lance and Peter, but later on I'll res I'll figure out what it is. But right now I'm thinking, I don't know why this is even happening. Well, I, I enjoyed the opening of this book. Uh, later on though, inside a prison not far away, the thinker uh, telepathically controls his robot self, like an android of him, uh, in his headquarters in Manhattan. He sends one of his androids after Spider-Man, who fights it for a while and then eventually tricks it into being crushed by some massive generators. And that's all I really want to say about Spider-Man fighting another robot. For those listeners who have been with us for a while, I like robots fighting Spider-Man. I did not like this robot fighting Spider-Man. This is not a Spider-Slayer uh, type robot at all. This is just a dumb robot, and it fights him for way too many pages. Oh, it's just terrible. a big fight fest because the beginning of this book has really got nothing in it. The middle is just all this fighting, and then they're going to wrap it up with like a little bit of nothing at the end, so it takes up so much of the book. This is just... I'm telling you mid-book. This is just a bad book. Uh, real quick, The Thinker, he is called The Mad Thinker. His name does oh, okay. change... His name changes over time. Oh, okay. You all know. right. Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, Starship. Yeah, the name just sort of migrates. The Mad Thinker acts like he's never faced Spider-Man before, but way back in Marvel Team Up 6, he faced Spider-Man. 
Oh. Like a, it's like a year ago. I know that because he was with the Puppet Master, and then soon after, they were out there making, uh, you know, right. toys. <laughs> I know the three guys who make the toys are all villains for Iron Man's face. That's how I know he's faced him. So. Uh, that, I, yeah, I remember that one. That's like the Puppet Master pulls the robot out of a craft that's like shipwrecked by this water. Now I remember that one. I just Thank remember you, that I think he's going to do something bad to like Ben Grimm. And then the puppet master decides, like, we're not going to do this or something. Or... Uh, yes, correct. Usually something changes. Or maybe, yeah, something changes in the puppet. The puppet master's kind of weak. He's kind of a flip-flopper. Yeah. So, Well, Peter finally returns home in hopes of resolving his love triangle with Amy and Lance. But when Amy, unannounced, shows up early to his place for their date, she aggressively kisses him. Uh the stunned Peter is unable to disengage from Amy as the door opens to reveal Mary Jane Watson. Amy Paul is one aggressive lady. <laughs> and Mary Jane Watson is very cool about this too because she's supposed to be a cool chick. Yeah. And I think she's essentially the reason why they're not together. It was her idea. I think she turned Peter down, right? She did. Yeah. So she yeah. can't be all up in his face like, why are you with another girl? She's not hurt by this. She walks in and she's like, hey, what's up? No big deal. You know, they could well, have used I, this for a dramatic moment, but they really didn't. Well, I, so James B., you didn't particularly like this book then, huh? Nope. Interesting. I like rather enjoyed it. I like Amy Paul as a character. She's like super aggressive almost black cat like in how she handles peter but you know like black cat handles spider-man amy powell handles peter there's a real theme for like the women coming into peter's life at this point it, it's obvious to every single character in the book including mj and amy and lance and peter that amy is just into peter to make lance jealous and even if they don't know they'll know immediately i haven't even read ahead really but her character is so one-dimensional like let's go out let's be I'm all into you because, you know, to make Lance jealous. See, and she, I, I know Lance says that, but I think I, I really thought there's like a broader scheme going on here for something. That's she wanted to be with Lance when he was taking those artsy photos of her, and then uh, he just sort of brushed her off, and she ran immediately back to Peter because she felt this is the guy that I will. I'll see, I, I thought she had implied at some point. Ooh, Lance, your Spider-Man pictures are not being used in the Bugle. You know, Peter Parker's got the Spider-Man pictures in the Bugle. And so, like, I read into this as, like, Amy Paul has some interest in Spider-Man and sees the connection between Peter and Spider-Man because he's getting better pictures of Spider-Man. Okay, there's so. a long list of people who, who who have a suspect of Peter and Spider-Man together. This is not, I don't think this is one of them. All right. In our next podcast, I will reveal to you all the people that I believe know Spider-Man Peter Parker is Spider-Man in what level? I'll, I'll cover that for you. There we go. I can't wait to hear that, James B. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited you're excited about that because there's really no more to talk about in this book, is there? No, that's that's about it. Okay. Well, Eddie, if people want to thank us for covering these three books and not having to have them read them, how could they reach us? This is not a Marvel team up, James B. <laughs> well, you can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. You can tell James B. the amazing Spider-Man is always good to read, right? Sure. <laughs> and now it's time for the close. I'm James B. joined by Eddie.
And remember, listeners, the Vulture, Doc Ock, and Kingpin will try to kill Spider-Man forever. Because they'd never die. Goodbye. Goodbye. I think, James B., you enjoyed the kind of more fighting book, and no, I enjoyed no. the side character book more. No, 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 no. <laughs> the That's where we disagree. I think the stupid robot book is a fighting book. Well, that's true. There's a lot of dumb fighting in the middle of the book. I'm not saying that the... Okay, the best part of today's podcast is possible... Ah, Jesus. That last book is just so bad, though, Eddie. I know Amy Powell's in there. But there's just nothing else going on. It's just, I mean, eight pages of robot fighting is what I can oh, me. Yeah, that, uh, half but more than half the book. There's a lot of character development though. We we learned a lot about Lance and how we knew he was having problems with Amy, but he loved her more. And then to have him basically confess to Peter all of this, and Peter's like, "Why? Why is he telling me all this?" You're yeah, talking about character development about characters that no one cares about. It's Lance Bannon and Amy Powell.